Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from American Picks. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. We've got a pretty big fight week here. We have UFC London 2022. It's not a pay-per-view, but it just has an aura around it. It feels like a pay-per-view. I'm going to break down every single fight on that card. I'm going to give you my picks. I'm going to give you my bets. And I'm also going to give you 50 free dollars if you go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do. And I send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it, we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. And that is at wewantpicks.com slash bets. If you want a more detailed breakdown with multiple perspectives and daily fantasy information, make sure you watch our Tuesday night live streams where we break down every single fight in full detail, 8.30 p.m. Central Time. And this is brought to you by Bet You Play to Earn. Bet You Play to Earn is the world's first online sports and esports betting game. Check it out now at betyouearn.com. That's bet the letter U earn.com. And kicking off the card, we have Nathaniel Wood versus Vince Morales. Vince Morales is stepping up on somewhat short notice here after Wood's original opponent dropped out. Nathaniel Wood is a good striker with solid power and a great dirty boxing game. He can grapple as well. Check out his UFC debut where he sunk in a beautiful Darce after losing most of the striking exchanges. He's a slick upper body takedown guy and he has great control on the ground. Vince Morales is a decent striker with okay boxing, but he makes up for any technical gaps with forward pressure and volume. He's always moving forward and always working for something else. He has legit power in his hands, but he does tend to go to it often and fizzle out if he doesn't find that finish. So he tends to headhunt a little bit. And this is a really fun fight to start the card and a surprisingly tough matchup for Wood, who's going to be the hometown favorite. Nathaniel Wood has volume, pressure, takedowns, and he's got okay power. Vince has legit power and an actual wrestling background, but he never really uses it. He averages 0.2 takedowns per fight. My brain says go with Wood here. But a lot of that has to do with short notice. I could see him avoiding the shots, working in some dirty boxing, potentially getting some takedowns and outpacing to a win. But Wood is coming off a war with Casey Kenny, who has been cut. He hasn't fought in over a year. And Vince Morales showed us just how powerful and dangerous he can be in his last fight against Smolka. So I'm actually going to give the very slight edge to Vince Morales here. But I'm going to pay close attention to weigh-ins. And this is a razor-thin fight. And that's a theme on this card. There's a surprising amount of local guys in really tough matchups. You would have thought the UFC was going to give the English and the European fighters a little bit of a break. But they really didn't. And then next up, we have Jai Herbert versus Ilya Teporia. Jai's a pretty technical striker who likes to keep the fight at range. He has a ton of movement, and his feet are never planted for more than a half a second. He's always cutting angles, feinting, and moving from side to side. 
I would say that makes him an elusive target, but he has a negative striking differential, so people are obviously finding ways to hit him. Ilya Taporia was supposed to fight back in January, but a couple of canceled fight later, and here we are. Ilya is a very well-rounded guy, but despite coming off two knockouts in a row, wins, he's a very good wrestler who averages a little more than three takedowns per fight, and he also has a positive significant striking differential of three to two. What makes him so impressive is he doesn't have a set game plan, meaning even though he's so amazing at wrestling, he doesn't need to wrestle to win, and he's perfectly capable of winning a kickboxing match as well. Jai Herbert will definitely be the best striker that Ilya has fought so far, but I don't think that matters at all. I like Ilya to win a very straightforward fight here. I think he's going to have success on his feet, and then he's going to look to grapple. Hanato Moicano took down Jai five times in their fight. Francisco Trinaldo took him down twice and both of them stopped him. I think Ilya does more of the same and I think he also wins by stoppage. I'm probably going to be looking for an Ilya Taporia wins inside the distance prop bet here when those lines drop. I'm a big Ilya guy and I think he's just way too much for Jai Herbert. Jack Shore versus Timur Valiev. This is a battle of the grapplers, and this one should be really fun. Jack Shore is a very good grappler. He likes to move forward, and he's constantly looking for a takedown. Both wrestling and striking are similar come-forward styles for him. He also has surprisingly fast kicks for a grappler. He's coming off a close win over Ludovic Shalinian, who stepped up on short notice. Jack was able to defend four takedowns, but only went two of eight of his own takedowns. Timur Valiev is a very good wrestler and he showed us how capable of a striker he can be in his last fight against Hani Barcelos. Before that, he beat Martin Day with four takedowns and 11 minutes of control time. He took, he looked very good in his UFC debut against Trevin Jones, but he faded when he couldn't get the stoppage. Then he himself was actually stopped in that fight. It's a no contest because Trevin Jones tested positive for weed, but all in all, he's a very good grappler with solid striking and questionable cardio. And I'm really torn on this fight. I'm a big teamer guy. I actually picked him to win against Hani Barcelos, but he probably should not have won that fight. He actually went 0 for 6 on takedowns and he was knocked down twice. So the fact that he won a judge's scorecard is a bit questionable. Jack Shore did not look great in his last fight either. He had a short notice opponent, but he only went 2 for 8 on takedowns. So we have two primary grapplers who had to resort to their plan B in their last fight. And I hate factoring in anything other than skill, technique, and how fighters stack up against each other. But I do think that Jack fighting in London is going to give him a little extra juice. And the fact that Trevin Jones was able to take down Teamer tells me that Jack Shore should be able to do that as well. So this is another razor-thin pick here, but I do like Jack Shore to pull it off. But Teamer Valiev is very game. And this is another one of those fights where they did not do the local guy any favors in this matchup. Then we have Elise Reed versus Corey McKenna. Elise Reed, she's coming off that, that very one-sided loss to Sajara Eubanks. But let's not forget that was short notice and that was at 125 pounds instead of her natural weight class, which is 115 pounds. She's very active. She never slows down and she's got very good power for her size. She has decent grappling and very good cardio. And this is a big test for her because frankly, I think you could just ignore the Eubanks fight. Given the circumstances, just throw that out and this will be her first real test to see if she's UFC caliber. Corey McKenna is very well-rounded fighter.
She's a ton of fun to watch. She literally does everything. She will march forward throwing one-twos like Vitor Belfort did against Vanderlei Silva back in the day. Then she can stay out of the pocket throwing Superman punches and head kicks to work her way in. I've seen her pick up a double leg takedown and just slam her opponent. We've seen a ton of submissions from her and she's just very well-rounded. She can be hittable and she does need to clean some things up, but she's so tough and so busy that she makes it all work. And this is another really fun fight. Both of these women love coming forward and pushing a real pace. Elise Reed lets her hands fly and she has very real power. Corey also loves to engage and is very hittable, which can be a problem. But I do think Corey's willingness to work takedowns will be the difference here. I like Corey to win, but she's only 22 and this is the biggest fight of her life. So hopefully she doesn't freeze up under the big lights. And don't let this pick fool you. This is another really close fight. And these odds are far too wide. That takes us to Mike Grundy versus Maquan Amirakani. Mike Grundy is a big time chain wrestler that will come forward and look for takedowns at all costs. His striking only exists to set up takedowns. And that was never more obvious than in his loss to Evloev. He took Evloev down six times, but he was still <laughs> outstruck 79 to 20. Think about that. He took him down six times and still managed to get hit four times more than he hit his opponent. And that is a concern. Similar story to when he took down Lando Venata three times, but he was outstruck again, 80 to 32. He is very busy. He is very powerful and he is relentless with his wrestling. Makwan Amirakani is better than his recent UFC run. He is a good grappler and he averages more than four takedowns per fight. He was just KO'd by Larone Murphy, but he dominated that fight up until the knockout. He's typically a durable guy with decent striking and okay cardio. He's definitely closer to a first round fighter than a three round fighter, but he can push a pace when he needs to. You could argue in this matchup that he should be the favorite because of how well-rounded he is, but it looks like the odds makers just do not trust Makwan Amirakani's recent record. And I think this fight comes down to straight up discipline. I think whoever is disciplined enough to just wrestle, only wrestle, not engage with the striking, just wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Whoever has that level of discipline, I think wins this fight. Because Mike Grundy is not a very good striker. So if he looks to strike, he will probably lose. Amirakani is a much better striker than Grundy. But if he looks to strike... He's going to get taken down. So again, this comes down to whoever will just start diving at legs first. And I think that's Mike Grundy. It, I think he has no desire to do anything other than get takedowns in this fight. Where Amir Khani is, understandably so, comfortable striking and he does mix it in well. But I just think anytime he's looking to make it a kickboxing match, Mike Grundy is going to dive at some legs and get some takedowns. So I do like Mike Grundy to win here. But he's probably going to take a little bit of damage on the way in. And that takes us to one of the hottest prospects the UFC has seen in an incredibly long time. We have Mohamed Makayev versus Cody Durden. And this card is loaded with British strikers. So we finally have an intermission here with a Dagestani wrestler versus an American wrestler. Mohamed Makayev is a Dagestani wrestler, but he actually grew up in England, which explains the way he wrestles and the way he talks. So he's got... Half an English accent, half a Dagestani accent, but he wrestles like his last name is Nurmagomedov. 
Makayev is an incredible, incredible wrestler. And even though he's only listed at 5-0 as a professional, he has had an incredibly long and successful amateur career. So experience is probably not too much of a concern here. He's a very dominant wrestler who has great grappling and an ever-improving striking game. Cody Durden is a wrestler who throws big looping punches to close the distance, and then he gets his takedowns. His takedowns are very good, and he chains them together well. His takedown accuracy is less than 40%, but he averages more than four per fight. And anytime you see that low accuracy, but a high execution, that tells you how good of a chain wrestler that fighter is. Because basically, he missed his first takedown. Transition to the second, transition to the third, and then eventually got his opponent to the ground. He does need to be careful on his feet, though, because his negative striking differential means he's pretty hittable. And this is an interesting fight because all of the hype says that Makayev is the next Islam and the next Dagestani superstar, but he is only 21 years old. And this is a really tough fight for his first UFC fight. If it was a straight-up wrestling match, it looks like Makayev is the better wrestler, but in an MMA fight, I don't know because Cody has zero issues just bombing away and shooting in. And if you dig into Makayev's fights, not many people have had that game plan against him. Most people look to defend the takedowns and then strike with him. But I think Cody's going to actively look to take Makayev down and bring the wrestling to him. I do just have to trust that Makayev's many amateur fights and years of competition have prepared him for this. And at the end of the day, it's wrestler versus wrestler, and I think Makayev is just the better pure wrestler. But I am actually too nervous here to make him a parlay piece. I think a lot of people are going to be super high on him, make him a parlay piece, make him the tent pole of a lot of their bets. I, I just don't see any reason you should be doing that. He's 21 years old. It is his UFC debut. He only has five pro fights, and he's fighting somebody that stylistically could give him a hard time. So I do think Makayev wins. I hope... I hope he is the absolute superstar that they think he's going to be. But as far as putting my money there, let's get through this fight. And then maybe I'll bet on him next fight. And that takes us to Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina. Molly McCann is a fun and aggressive striker. I say striker, but she's actually more of a boxer. She doesn't kick that much, but she does like a dirty fight in the pocket. She also has nice takedowns that are well-timed, and she uses them to secure rounds. She is a decision fighter, but she's technically sound and has plenty of cardio to push that pace. Luana Carolina is primarily a striker as well. She isn't the most technical with her punches, but she is fantastic in the clinch with her knees and elbows. She has a Muay Thai style without the Muay Thai stance. Even though she's a striker, her takedown defense is very good at 90%. And when she does get taken down, she's very busy and she's always working for a submission. Most books have this fight as a pick'em or with Molly as a slight favorite. And I absolutely get that. They're both busy strikers who don't have a ton of power, but are dangerous. Molly has had success with takedowns and Luana has that 88% takedown defense. Molly is a cleaner boxer, but Luana is busier and mixes in knees and kicks really well. And this really is a razor-thin fight. My gut told me Molly will win because her boxing is clean. And despite having a low takedown accuracy, she uses them well to lock in rounds. If she's in a close round, a strike-for-strike strike round, that's when she starts using her wrestling. And she's been able to steal rounds and steal fights using that. But Luana Carolina has that 88% takedown defense. And she was taken down in her last two fights. And she still won those. I'm siding with the bookies here. And I'm just going to give a tiny, tiny slight edge to Molly. I think she just has a little more output on her feet 
and she's more willing to grapple when she needs to. So Molly McCann is the pick, but again, it's a razor thin pick and the bookmakers, the UFC, Sean Shelby, they have not done these English fighters any favors on their hometown card. And then we have Gunnar Nelson returning after two long years away and he's taking on short notice Takashi Sato. Gunnar Nelson is a grappler. He has developed some striking over time and his striking is that long karate style like you see Wonderboy use where his feet are really wide apart. He bounces from side to side and he likes to use kicks to manage range and then he'll just blitz forward, lower his level and shoot his takedowns to get it to the ground. Once it hits the ground, he has solid ground and pound, very good jujitsu. His issue though can be the takedowns themselves because he's so far away and he's got that really wide stance it takes a ton of movement to close the gap with his opponent, lower his level, and take a shot. And all of that effort, all of that time that goes into the shooting, he gets hit a lot in those entries. And that's why he has a pretty bad striking differential. He lands 1.71 significant strikes per minute, and he is hit 3.33 times. And that is not when they're standing. That's when he's trying to enter, trying to get those takedowns, because his striking style and his grappling style just do not mesh well together. If you're looking for that many takedowns, you need a much tighter stance and you need to lower your elevation as quickly as possible. And he can't really do that with that Wonder Boy karate style stance, which is why he's so hittable. Takashi Sato is stepping up on somewhat short notice after Gunnel's original opponent dropped out. Style-wise, he's a striker. He's got solid power and well-timed strikes. He's got pretty good volume, and it really turns it on when he has you stunned. He can be hittable, though, and that's because while he is always moving his feet, he doesn't move his head, and he has solid takedown defense at 75%, which he will probably need in this fight. Gunnar Nelson, I mentioned, he has not fought in two years, and he said just recently it was because he has a pair of couple really bad rim injuries that took forever to heal up. But honestly, this feels... Like when Al Iaquinta fought Bobby Green. It was very clear that Al was pretty much done with MMA, but he took that fight because he wanted the fight at Madison Square Garden. And Gunner feels pretty similar here. He's been away from MMA for two full years, and I feel like he may have taken this fight just because it is England, and he can just get a last hurrah in Europe and fight in front of a European crowd. I think the difference here, though, is that Gunner still has some good years left. He's only... Two and three in his last five, but those losses have aged really well. They were to Gilbert Burns, who we know is very good, Leon Edwards, who we know is very good, and Ponzinibbio, who we know is very good. And listen, I think the UFC has done everything they could possibly do here to get Gunnar Nelson a win. He's got a short notice opponent, which wasn't on purpose, but fine. He has a short notice opponent who has grappling holes. And if Gunner can avoid taking damage when he shoots the takedowns from too far away, I think this fight is his, and he probably wins by submission. But two years off is a long time, and it's just impossible to know how he's going to look or not look. Gunnar Nelson's the pick. I think the stars have a line for him here. But I would not be surprised if we see a pretty unmotivated Gunnar Nelson who's kind of just doing this because he wants to fight in Europe one last time. And that takes us to Nikita Krylov versus Paul 
Craig at light heavyweight. Nikita Krylov is a very well-rounded guy with very good wrestling and striking. He has nice forward pressure, and he mixes in punches and kicks really well. You can really see how he puts it all together if you watch his head kick KO of Ed Herman. He started a boxing exchange, and then he ended it at close range with a head kick that just put Ed Herman out. And he did all of that while moving forward. And he isn't just a striker, though. He has solid takedowns, and he averages more than one takedown per fight. Paul Craig is a grappler who is very dangerous on the ground, and he's proven to us that he's incredibly tough. He actually beat the headliner on this card, Magomed Ankalaev, with literally one second left in the entire fight, not just in the round, in the whole fight. His last fight was when he basically pulled guard, and then he blasted Jamal Hill's elbow. I think technically... He um, hyperextended it or dislocated it or something like that. But it looked like he broke Jamal Hill's elbow. And he did all of that in under two minutes. Essentially, if he has any room to grapple with you, you do need to worry. His striking is just okay, but he's not much of a threat. And he can be outstruck by most people in this division. And right now, the odds sit with Krylov as almost a two-to-one favorite, which feels really wide to me. I think he's the more well-rounded fighter overall. But I also think he's the less dangerous fighter. Paul Craig has proven to be ridiculously never out of a fight. So he should be able to withstand somewhat of a beating on his feet. And if he's able to get it to the ground, he's going to be very live for a stoppage. Where I see Krylov only being able to win a decision. I think he has to fight a perfect fight on his feet to win this. I don't see him putting out Paul Craig because we've seen Paul Craig take a beating. And he's obviously not going to submit Paul Craig. So it, it's a little tricky because Ankalaev couldn't put him out. Krylov's not going to put him out. I like Paul Craig in the underdog spot, and I think he can win this fight. He is my underdog pick here, but betting-wise, I will likely do a Paul Craig wins inside the distance decision no action bet. And if you don't know what that is, that basically means if Paul Craig wins the fight inside the distance, submission, knockout, whatever it is, then I will get paid. If Paul Craig is on the wrong side of a kickboxing match and just gets abused for three rounds and it goes to a decision, I get a refund. I get my money back. The bet never happened. And it's a really nice way. So right now, Paul Craig's a plus 200 underdog. With that type safety net bet, he'll probably be even money, plus 100, plus 110. And that's fine with me because there is a safety net there. You are only going to get that bet. If you go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, we've got five partners. The one partner that offers those safety net bets is Bet Online. So jump in there, check it out. If you make a deposit, let us know, and we will send you $50 as a thank you. Paul Craig's the pick. It should be another really fun fight on a card full of really fun fights. And that takes us to Paddy the Buddy. We've got Patty Pimblett. Taking on Rodrigo Vargas. Paddy Pimblett is a hot prospect coming off a very fun win in his UFC debut. He's very well-rounded and he has a lot of experience despite this being only his second fight in the UFC. He is a pretty hittable guy, but he's got solid striking offense with a ton of volume. He's a very smooth grappler who flows really well on the ground and he really does have the tools 
to be the next big thing, not to mention his marketability. Rodrigo Vargas is a fun and wild striker who's coming off a really nice win over Zhu Rong, where he was taken down three times, but still more than doubled Zhu's strikes in that fight. He likes to come forward and throw heavy strikes at a high pace, but he isn't just a wild striker. He has solid takedowns and solid BJJ. He's listed at 12 and four, but one of those losses was because of an illegal knee. So he's essentially... 12, 3, and 1, but it was pretty blatant, so they ruled it a loss. Patty is a prospect, and the UFC wants him to be a star, but man, is he hittable. Even if you go back to his UFC debut and you watch the in-cage interview with Michael Bisping, Michael Bisping immediately was like, you were almost knocked out, and he was almost knocked out, so you just can't look at tapology and assume that, okay, wow, Patty won by KO in the first round. He just blew through Luigi Vendramini because he did not. After that fight, I literally did the recap show and I said, I am going to fade Patty against any solid striker. And Rodrigo is exactly that. I think Rodrigo hits harder than Patty does and he's far less hittable than Patty is. My only concern here is that while Vargas is capable on the ground, I think Patty is much smoother and could potentially submit him. But if Patty stands and trades strike for strike with Rodrigo Vargas, I think his chin is going to get touched, and I'm not sure if it's going to hold up. Rodrigo Vargas is a much more dangerous striker than Luigi Vendravini was, and I'm so torn here. I'm so torn. I really want to pick Rodrigo, but I don't know if I actually believe that he's going to win this fight or if I'm just going, you know, I just remember Patty getting hit a ton, and I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to get hit. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit, and that's it. I don't know how much weight I need to put in the Patty's chin, or just be like, the dude gets hit a ton. There's no way that can last forever because Justin Gagey gets hit a ton and it has been lasting forever. So this is a really, really hard pick. These odds are crazy. They have Patty at like a minus 500 on some books. The odds are crazy. I want Patty to win, but damn, Rodrigo is really, really tough. This is the hardest pick I have to do on this entire card. Right now, I'm going to say Rodrigo Vargas and I'm going to say... It is 51% to 49%. And again, the only reason is because Patty chin up in the air, just begging to get hit in the mouth. And he does get hit in the mouth. He was rocked hard in his last fight. Rodrigo Vargas hits much harder than Patty's last opponent. And we may see Patty in England trying to put on a show, trying to make something happen and make him very hittable. But we will see what happens. I may change this pick closer to the fight. But right now, I I want Patty to be the superstar that the UFC wants him to be. He just needs to learn how to not get hit as much. That moves us to a couple of heavyweights, and we've got another guy returning after a pretty long layoff, two years. We've got Shamil Abdukaraminov taking on Sergei Pavlovic. And Shamil Abdurakhminov is a solid boxer. He's got good counter strikes. He's got solid wrestling. And he's somewhat of an accomplished wrestler and has mixed success in the UFC. He took down Derek Lewis four times in a loss and Andre Orlovsky twice in a win. His chin hasn't helped uh, and hasn't held up as much as he would like it to at 40 years old. But he still hits really hard. He's a gamer and he has wrestling in his back pocket. Sergey Pavlovic is a fantastic striker. He's mostly a boxer, but he has great power in his hands and incredible speed for a heavyweight. His striking volume is impressive and he trusts his chin enough to just stand in the pocket and bomb away. It's been over two years since we've seen Sergey Pavlovic fight. 
which always makes breakdowns like this really hard because is he as fast as he was when he beat Maurice Green? Is his takedown defense better than it was when he fought Alistair Overeem? I don't know. Uh, we, we just, we're not going to know because we haven't seen this guy in two years. All I can do is make assumptions that he's at least the same person he was when we last saw him. And that person can beat Shamil Abdukarakminov. Shamil will likely look to rest her, will probably have some success, but just like the Derek Lewis fight, I think he struggles keeping Sergey down and he ends up knocked out. But these are heavyweights. One of these heavyweights has not fought in two full years this is not the type of fight that you want to take your hard-earned money and throw it down on. Just enjoy the heavyweights going at it. You'll probably get a knockout and, you know, maybe do some knockout kings on Monkey Knife Fight. Then we have our co-main event of the evening. We have Arnold Allen taking on Dan Hooker. Arnold Allen is a very good striker who loves coming forward. He has an upright stance, which helps protect him when he's outside of range, but then he comes lunging in with solid power, which is great. He also ends up pretty hittable. He has nice footwork and solid hand speed. He mixes in takedowns really well, and he has a few sneaky submissions like we saw him use in his UFC debut. Dan Hooker is making his featherweight debut in this fight. He's a very good striker with an enormous amount of heart. He's long, rangy, a solid kickboxer who uses his kicks really well to manage that distance. He's coming off that loss to Islam, but he took that on short notice and it almost felt like he didn't care if he won or lost. In the fight before that against Nazrat, he had a great win and we watched him work in wrestling really, really well and it was an entirely new dynamic for him. We've seen him in multiple wars against Paul Felder and Dustin Poirier, but I do worry that those fights have taken some miles off of him. Dan Hooker opened up as a plus 135 underdog and these odds have now completely flipped and Dan Hooker is now a minus 130 favorite and that makes much more sense because you got to factor in Dan's level of competition, his world ranking, his experience and all of those things. It makes more sense that Dan Hooker would be the slight favorite here, but I totally get why early books had Allen here. He's young, he's fast, he hits hard and he can grapple. He's won eight fights in the UFC. He's been under the radar since 2015. We have seen him come back from adversary before and just steal fights he was about to lose. Like when he submitted Burnell, he was taken down six times in that fight and was still able to pull that off. I actually like Arnold Allen to win, but I have two concerns. The first is he only fights once a year. So he's not getting in time. He's not doing as much as he should. He's not as busy as I feel like he should be. He's only fighting one time a year. And the second is Dan Hooker's coming down in weight and he's coming down to 145. He may look sucked and tired and exhausted, or he may look big, strong, powerful, and he may hit crazy hard for this division. So a couple of big question marks here. And just look at the size difference. Dan is taller, much longer reach. We know he's a bigger guy. So there's a couple random factors here. I do like Arnold Allen to win this fight, but this is another fight with a lot of question marks because Dan Hooker coming down the featherweight could be something real or it could just be a very failed experiment and we will find out. And then we have our main event of the evening. We've got two heavyweight strikers going at it. We have Alexander Volkov taking on Tom Aspinall and Volkov bounced back after his loss to Cyril Gan with a solid win over Marcin Tybora. Volkov is a very good striker and a high IQ fighter. He's fast and has solid volume. He picks his shots really well and he will make adjustments and adapt in fights. 
He's not a big power guy, but his volume and timing suit him well enough to get finishes. Despite the last minute loss to Derek Lewis, he does have a really good chin and he's a very durable guy. Tom Aspinall is a very good striker and we've talked about how he spent time training with Tyson Fury in the past. For a heavyweight, he has excellent hand speed, good defense, and a diverse attack style where he mixes in kicks really well. But he isn't just a striker. He also does have a 100% takedown accuracy, a 100% takedown defense. And just last year, he submitted Hall of Famer Andre Arlovsky. Submitted him. Didn't knock him out. Submitted him. And he has a 100% finish rate, which is amazing, but it also worries me because Volkov is very durable and we've never seen Tom finish three rounds, let alone five rounds. And this is a great fight to find out just how hot of a prospect Tom Aspinall is. As it sits now, the odds are dead even, which surprises me because I completely understand the respect for Volkov and his body of work, but we've seen him lose to strikers like Gon and Lewis, as well as to grapplers like Curtis Blades, who took him down an amazing 14 times. I don't think Aspinall has Lewis's power or Blades' wrestling, but I do think he's a better pure striker than Volkov is. I think he has more power than Volkov, and I think he is the better grappler against Volkov. So to me, this is a pretty straightforward pick in my mind, and I like Aspinall here, but we will absolutely find out if he's more hype than substance because Volkov always shows up, and he is not an easy win for anyone, but I am going with the Brit, Tom Aspinall here, and I have a money line bet on him at minus 110, basically even money. Guys, let me know in the comments below your picks, your thoughts. Make sure you like, subscribe, and join our Tuesday night live streams where we break down these fights in depth with multiple perspectives and fantasy information. And don't forget about the free $50. We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit and then let us know and we send you 50 bucks. Thanks for the watch. I'll see you this weekend.